And when you're operating out of your strengths, this is something new I learned literally this week. When you're stepping into your deepest area of strengths, you're twice as likely to step into flow. And when you're in this psychological concept of flow, you're 500% more productive. Pull up a seat to the table. You are listening to the Luminary Leadership Podcast, where we elevate successful entrepreneurs into powerful leaders doing work that really matters. After working with countless entrepreneurs, I've noticed a theme. No matter the level of success achieved, they get to this place where they're asking, now what? If you're listening to this, you get it. You're craving more impact. You want to do work that means something, and you want to be known for it, too. Somewhere along the way, it wasn't just about growing a business anymore. It became time to build your legacy. Plus, building the dream at the expense of everything else that matters, family, freedom, joy, is no dream at all. The Luminary Leadership Podcast is where industry leaders come to break through to their next level of achievement, purpose, and impact. I'm your host, Elizabeth Hartke, and I'm here to raise up this generation of leaders, us, so we can do our part in raising up the next generation of little luminaries. Get ready as we break down all things entrepreneurial leadership in a way that isn't being talked about. We both know you don't just need another strategy. It's time for your breakthrough. I've been so eager for this episode to drop because I know that this conversation that I just had with the Mike Zeller is going to be one that stays with you for a lifetime. So gearing up for this particular conversation, I was prepping and I swear the entire month leading up to this interview, God just kept dropping in my lap these hints that you all, my wonderful listeners of the Luminary Leadership Podcast, needed to have these conversations around the idea of shifting away from just pursuing either what is easy or what is comfortable or what feels like it will bring success and tapping into who you're called to be and what you're meant to do and what you are great at and things that will bring you those feelings of fulfillment and joy. That's why I'm so excited for you guys to hear this. So Mike is a guy who's studied under the industry masters like Tony Robbins and Russell Brunson and Jay Abram and all these different characters that you know and love. And his business has skyrocketed. He's got over 600,000 followers on Instagram, and none of that even holds a candle to the depth of conversation that we have around this concept of really discovering the genius within, which is also the name of his book and the tagline of this book, Your Natural Pathway to Impact, Fulfillment, and Wealth. Doesn't that sound like it's what you want? He has an actual process that he talks about today, a four-step process to help you discover your true zone of genius, that category of your work life and your personal life that is going to take you into a state of flow where you feel both productive, but also purposeful in what you're doing, clarity around what you're doing, and confidence around what you're doing. So I will not delay any longer. You need to listen to this episode. Also head on over to the show notes so you can get access to all the amazing things that Mike's delivering to just this audience. And get the dang book. Trust me when I tell you, you want this thing. All right, let's get to my conversation with Mike Zeller. Mike, welcome to the Luminary Leadership Podcast. I know for a fact today's conversation is going to land just 
right in the earbuds of our listeners. But before I jump in, I would love for you to tell us more about you and the journey here. I know we have lots to talk about, but I want our audience to get to know you a little better. Yeah, so I'm originally a Kentucky boy, and um, now I live in Nashville, soon to be hopefully L.A. as well. But uh, I went through a season where I started a bunch of businesses in 2018 as we were getting married. I lost over a million dollars, and I realized my zone of genius helped, helped me grow to a certain level, but then my zone of genius where I was playing out of position also undermined my success because I didn't fill in the gaps appropriately enough. So um, so I went through that super painful divine storm, uh, if you will. And uh, and now I get to mentor and lead, you know, six, seven, eight figure entrepreneurs from around the world and uh, uh, lead them in their transformation to find their deepest area of genius. So it's a ton of fun. That's awesome. And I love hearing stories like that where people have the humility to kind of share the the behind the scenes that's not always so pretty that leads us to where we are today. I think sometimes uh, people feel this pressure to paint this rosy picture that it's been smooth sailing the whole way into where we are today when it's just not reality. It's in those those errors and those struggles and challenges uh, and failures that really teach us and refine us into who we're actually called to be. Mm-hmm. So We've been talking a lot lately on the show in our masterminds with some of my friends and peers about this idea of really what we crave is significance over success or really significance with success, I should say. And when I was getting ready for our conversation today, I was really eager to chat because it looks to me like a lot of the work you're doing and with your new book, the genius within is right in line with this concept that we're all craving a better understanding of what it is we're actually called to do, who we are actually called to be in the process, how to get there and how to get there in a way that's aligned with how we want to feel in the process. So can we talk a little bit about this? You've worked with enough people to get a sense of where even successful entrepreneurs get hung up in pursuit of their next level. And I'd love to know your thoughts on that in general. Yeah. When I look at a lot of the entrepreneurs, especially when we're going through what I like to call the rickety bridge of transition, where we're going from one identity, one level to the next level. Sometimes it's crossing that million dollar threshold. Sometimes it's going from 10 employees to 15 or 20, or it's breaking into a new industry. And there's a lot of things that come up. There's an upper limit problem. What is dangerous to our brains, more often than not, is what is unknown, and so if, you, if you're shifting into a higher level, it feels dangerous to your brain. And our brains and our bodies are designed not to harm themselves. In fact, if you take out a pen and you put your other hand down and you try and stab your hand with the pen, your body, unless you're like a Navy SEAL badass that just can supersede your, you know, uh, the bypass, the normal human functioning, you can't stab your hand. You really, it's really super hard for a healthy person to harm themselves. So our brains are designed to protect ourselves. But when we enter this, this upper limit problem, how do we leap above it and create that transformation? Well, two things usually have to happen. It's, it's an identity transformation. I love to say your identity precedes your destiny. And uh, I was coaching another entrepreneur this morning. She's uh, CEO and founder of an uh, almost eight-figure business in a male-dominated field. Well, she had all these sabotaging beliefs and thoughts and fears that were coming up. 
as she was shifting into a higher level state and stories from even 23 years ago. And we released a lot of those. And then we named and claimed her higher and best self. Like Beyonce has Sasha Fierce as her alter ego. Kobe mm -hmm. Bryant had Black Mamba. Um, all these different men and women throughout history have had often had powerful alter egos and pair that with flowing, stepping into your deepest area of genius, which, by the way, when you're when you're operating on your strengths, this is something new I learned literally this week. When you're stepping into your deepest area of strengths, you're twice as likely to step into flow. And when you're in this psychological concept of flow, you're 500 percent more productive. Wow. I'll take oh, that. Yeah, exactly. Who doesn't want that? I mean, if you're a high performer, that's what we want. So anyway, and that's I've been unpacking it for myself and others. Um, I've had a hundred or sorry, 300 people plus uh, go through my zone of genius process in one shape or another. And it's without a doubt when someone goes through the whole process, they get the greatest accumulation and, and greatest clarity they've ever had about where they're a badass, where they suck ass and their highest level of impact and calling in their business that also is easy and fun for them more often than not. And that's the key, right? Feeling that joy in the process, because if not, what the heck is it all for anyway? Uh, I would love to go a little deeper on that. You talk about the zone of genius being that natural pathway into wealth fulfillment and impact and a place where success and growth and possibilities start to happen more naturally. How do we discover that zone of genius? Because I think a lot of us, one, might think we have discovered it and are wondering why we're not feeling that fulfillment when in reality, maybe we're not in our zone of genius or two, don't really know where to start in terms of uncovering that. Yeah. The first, you know, I have four quadrants and it's really the gathering of the data. Like if any of your listeners have read a Jim Collins book, you know, good to great, built to last and how the mighty fall and all those things. What's he do first? He gathers the data. He gathers the data and he doesn't project onto the data the outcome. He gathers the data and see what patterns emerge, what patterns pop, almost like popcorn. If you gather the right data about yourself, guess what? The patterns will pop. And, and so, uh, and, and I want to backtrack for a second. Philosophically, one of the great philosophers of all of history, Socrates, said, to know thyself is the beginning of all wisdom. Another modern philosopher, business philosopher, D. Hawk. Yeah, most people don't know his name. Do you know his name by any chance? I do. I do. Oh, yeah. you do? Of course, because you're in leadership. You're, you're super smart. All right. So D. Hawk, founder of Visa, as in Visa credit cards. You know what he did after he sold Visa? Mm-mm. So he started researching and writing uh, about leadership, especially for Harvard Business Review. But he found that one thing that the very best leaders in the world did that the other leaders did not do. You know what that is? Hit me. Hit you. All right. He found that the very best leaders in the world spent more than 50% of their leadership energy on leading themselves, not others. So often we're like, oh, lead up, lead down, lead to the side. No. Most of your best energy needs to go on leading yourself, which means you lead yourself into the exact right position. And then you design your team, your organization, your business around your genius, where you're bringing in complementary pieces, where people you're building a dream team where everyone is playing in their genius. And so 
back to the the process, what I've found is is this four quadrants: your unique talents, your defining life moments, those moments where you have whispers or ahas or breakdowns that lead to breakthroughs. Third thing, your key relationships, the people that bring you life versus the people that bring you death, your natural clusters of relationships. And then the fourth filter is your values and passions. What do you stand for? What do you stand against? What do you unnaturally have a passion or a longing or insatiable curiosity about? When you assemble all those things together, you've got the greatest accumulation of clues about who on earth you are and what what on earth you're meant to do. Mm, I love that. And I love that you have it broken down into a process too. It's not just conceptual because I think a lot of times you'll hear people use that phrase zone of genius. Oh, just work in your zone of genius. But if we don't have the, you know, that it's easier said than done. We would, we would be doing it if we knew how to do it. So the fact that you have something comprehensive is really powerful for people. In your experience in working with people and walking them through this process, I think sometimes what helps is self-diagnosis. I think you talked about being self-aware and knowing thyself. It's just such a key first step in leadership and business. So what would you say are some of the symptoms maybe of someone working and living in their zone of genius, like where they get it and they experience states of flow versus someone that's not? Because I think maybe that would help some of our listeners be able to say, oh, I am experiencing some of those symptoms of the person that's not yet in their zone of genius, or I'm seeing that I am experiencing the things that come with being in my zone of genius. Yeah. So I would take a guess that there are things that within your company and your business um, that you just, you can do uh, with a blindfold on that are, are fun and easy and you can do quicker than anyone else on the team. Um, and so uh, I'll backtrack and I'll share one, one example of where when it's not, when you're not in your zone of genius, um, I'm working with one of my one-on-one clients. He's got a, um, a high seven figure, uh, movie and film production company, commercial films for like Amazon and Goldman Sachs and Nike and those type deals. And he comes to me in August, his company had just had a record year. Record year, most CEOs are ecstatic. We're happy, right? Well, he's depressed and he's ready. He doesn't say it, but I could pick up on it within the first 20 or 30 minutes. He's ready to burn the business down or get out because his body, again, his body will catapult him out because he's no longer happy and fulfilled and he's playing out of position because what he was doing, the leader of the business was supposed to do, which was leading all these operations meetings. His days are just chock full meetings and meetings and meetings, and he had no space to create and innovate. He's an innovator. He's a creator on the wealth dynamics. So I take people through five different personality tests. One of them is wealth dynamics. He's a creator. He, he had no space to flourish in his zone of genius. So the first thing we did in that session, we stripped, we get, created a game plan. After we got clarity on his genius, we then created an action item list of eradicating, reducing, delegating, all the things that were not in his lane of gifting that brought fulfillment. Two weeks later, he's more excited and ecstatic about his business than he'd been in like probably a year and a half or two years. And then another month and a half later, he's just on fire and he's inspired because he's stepping into his genius and he'd gotten rid of, you know, sometimes we have all these, I'm in this position, I should be doing these things. Mm-hmm. 
right? Or my business should look like this because so-and-so over here is doing it that way. Well, when you are in your genius, what I've found over and over with high achievers is when they're in their genius, it's easy, it's fun. It doesn't mean there's not a struggle. Like they're, like I can, when I'm working on ideating and developing a concept, there are often periods of the struggle. But it's, it's a fun struggle. It's a rewarding struggle. It's a struggle we know, hey, I'm going to get through this. I'm going to solve this challenge because I, I'm capable of it. And it's, uh, other people wouldn't be able to do it. So you ask yourself, what can I be one of the best in the world at? And then what naturally just lights me up? And the test will reveal it when you go through the full process. But I hope that kind of answered your question, but I uh, might have uh, danced around in a different way. No, no, it does. It does. And there were a few things you said that made me think of something we were talking about before we hit record. And I would love to flesh it out a little bit with you, because one of the things we found in our team before we started doing some of this work that you're talking about, uh, we were assuming we were operating out of our zone of genius. And I think that's where things got a little dicey for us because we had skill sets that we brought to the table, each of us as team members. And there were things that we could do with ease or because we had ample experience in it or we were just fast with it or whatever. And we found ourselves living in this space where it was where we were really competent, but it wasn't bringing us joy. And it was like there was another level that we could tap into that would ultimately have brought us into that zone of genius that we weren't aware of yet. And do you ever find that that people mistake the things that they're good at or the things that may become naturally or that they've studied they mistake that for their zone of genius because they're thinking, well, I'm good at it. So obviously I should do more of it. Yeah. Uh, Gay Hendrickson's book, The Big Leap, he breaks it down. There's the, uh, I think it's, I don't remember what the first one was, but zone of competence, zone of excellence and zone of genius. Lots of us, we have areas that we're just in our zone of excellence and we can do that well. But for example, I'm, I can do really well with sales. I've done it. I've trained on it. I coach on it. But that's not my deepest zone of genius. So, but it does take a lot of reflection. Like, I'm curious, what are things that you are really good at, but you don't really want to pursue a whole lot more and mastery? Yeah. One major thing that comes to mind is copywriting or writing. So I can write all day and I have skill sets in writing. But uh, it's not necessarily where I should be spending my time. Yeah. And then what do you have in your life, Elizabeth? What are you yearning for more of? What are you still really curious about that you feel like, ah, I could, I could really do more of this? I think speaking is the, the world that I've been avoiding for the last few years because it's been easy to avoid. I was speaking on stages prior and, and then got comfortable just kind of stay. I'm very introverted and I like to create and I'm very much an innovator. So I started to get into my comfort zone even more than my genius zone. And um, I think speaking is probably that, that thing for me these days. Yeah. And so, so oftentimes our greatest area of resistance is often around our deepest area of genius as well. For mm-hmm. example, like I, uh, I know I'm also meant to speak and teach and write and create books. 
I had so much internal resistance around it because it was like, oh, if I really step into and go beyond that upper limit problem, then I've, I've charted my, my whole destiny in a different way. And, and now I even have one opportunity that is likely to come to pass for next year. That might speak to 100,000 people in a stadium event in Africa. And <laughs> I would have never guessed that. Like, you know, that literally came up this week. And, but I, I long, like part of me, I had visions when I was a teenager that I would be speaking before these crowds, but I didn't know how, I didn't know when, I didn't know what it would look like. You know, that's, I, I wrote down, for example, when I was 31, I'm 42 now, one of my positive affirmations inspired by Tony Robbins, personal power too, I wrote out that I mentor and lead some of the brightest and best people in the world. All I was doing at the time was investing in real estate and selling real estate. I'm like, I'm, this is true to my heart, but I have no idea how I'm going to get there. This feels scary. And then three or four years later, I started having people reach out to me as I'd started different businesses. And then I felt so scared to charge for the first time. I remember mm-hmm. charging $1,000 a phone call. And I was like, oh, uh, it didn't feel right at first. Yeah. Yep. I can resonate with that so deeply. Uh, in the process of pursuing that sweet spot, what are some of the habits you've seen, maybe good habits and the ones that have done it successfully, but also the bad habits and the ones that are a little bit off the mark of well-meaning entrepreneurs that are trying to step into their zone of genius, that they get derailed by these habits, you know, on the bad side of things or the good habits help them leverage it and get Mm -hmm. there. Yeah, I think one of the biggest habits I've seen is a lot of entrepreneurs, as they grow, they just add more to their plate instead of deleting. Mm. And so we've got this this start doing list and to-do list that just keeps growing and growing and growing. And we haven't deleted anything off our plate. And, and learning, part of it is there's a middle class mindset that I find a lot of entrepreneurs have to bust through. Like if you ask, uh, one of the things I've found is you got to rewrite your money story of your self-worth and of the value that you're creating in the world. Well, if I ask a lot of entrepreneurs, hey, if you want a job done right, they'll complete it, do it yourself. Middle-class mindset, typical Protestant work ethic that most of us grew up with. I grew up with it myself. Ask a billionaire, you want a job done right? They don't say, do it yourself. They say, hire the best freaking person you can find for the job. So lifting, letting go of the DIY side and realizing that I'm shifting my whole identity. Like the, we, we noblize the bootstrapping entrepreneur and the bootstrapping leader, right? But they're the doer. But at some point, you hit a ceiling, an energetic capacity ceiling. You can't just work 10x more or work 10x harder. Now, you can add 10x more people that are working hard so you can 10x an organization which is where you're flourishing. You measure your self-worth by smart decisions. Jeff Bezos, Bezos has one goal every single day when he's going to work. It's to make two smart strategic decisions. Middle-class entrepreneur, what am I going to do today? What am I going to accomplish? Billionaire entrepreneur, what am I going to decide? Yeah, huge difference. Yeah. And huge difference in the outcome too. Yeah. And then, but I think figuring out also too, and You've got to let your ego stay at the door, but also looking at, hey, if Elizabeth is the best speaker and best 
teacher on our team, then I let her decide on insights around certain things, or she's the most gifted copywriter or whatever. Instead of, oh, I'm the CEO, I'm this or I'm that, I have to make all the decisions. So like, you've, you've got to let your ego stay at the door. When, and what happens is as you get greater clarity on your genius, you come to appreciate others' genius more effectively too. Mm, I agree so much. We've seen that just a blossoming within our team the more that we've done that. And we've seen people who took a back seat once they've started to tap into where they're supposed to be. They just become this, they go from like being a wallflower to being so confident and bringing so much more value to the organization, which ultimately affects the bottom line. This is not just a fluff concept. This is something that will drive business forward. Um, This conversation has been so powerful and so exactly what I was hoping for on the show um, for our listeners and for myself. But before we close up, I would love to just ask you, because I love getting a little bit of a taste of the mission behind this and what has drawn you to this specifically? Like, why did you know, Mike, that this concept had to get into the hands of people, both through your your book, The Genius Within, and just the work that you're doing? Why did you feel so compelled to do this work in particular? You know, one of the things I uh, found is when I was 20 years old, uh, I, I became a Christian in college, and I felt like my my path was to unleash people's God-given potential. White, black, male, female, heterosexual, homosexual, whatever. None of that religious preference, none of that mattered. But I felt like I'm called to serve. And I felt like my my responsibility is, A, to pursue my own genius, my own gifting and vote of our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate, is that we are powerful beyond measure. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, talented, gorgeous, and fabulous? Who are you not to be? You're a child of God. You're plain small, doesn't serve the world. There's nothing enlightened about shrinking so that others won't feel insecure around you. The fact is we let our own light shine. We unconsciously liberate others to do the same. So that's my life quote. That's why I have it memorized. But um, so I have to step into it and pursue courageously, fearfully my own genius and the fears of rejections uh, that can come out of that. But also in, in just battling the plain smallness and all of the imposter syndromes and all those things. But I feel like when I was being asked to mentor people, when people were asking for guidance, I was like, I can't give a cookie cutter approach because I was like, that's why I couldn't just recommend a few personality tests either. Because I was like, ah, that's not all the clues. All the clues. Oh, this person might have different value set. He has different life experiences. He has different relationships in his world that indicate and give clues, as well as different talents. You could put someone with the same exact talent, but it, those other things are different. They have a radically different trajectory and pathway. And I was like, there's got to be a blueprint to help people step into that and, and discover for themselves who they are and who they're meant to be. And we all perform better when we're in our genius because we're more naturally, we're twice as likely to step into flow. And also when we step into flow, guess what? We release those six powerful neurochemicals, dopamine, serotonin, oxytocin, all the others. And I can't say the other three, so that's why. <laughs> but um, they're long, complicated names. Um, but anyway, my mission, uh, as long as I'm alive, is, is when I design my organizations, I want to be in my genius because it's more fun and fulfilling and rewarding. And I want other people on my team to be in their genius. And 
my team members, they love working with me because of that. And because I have self-awareness around myself and they can coach and guide me as well. And then uh, it's a joy to see people step into their potential. And I feel like that's, that's my core mission in life is to unleash people's divine potential. Amen. That's a beautiful mission and one that I can certainly get behind myself. So I'm just so grateful for you taking the time to bring your wisdom here to us. And uh, I want to make sure that everybody listening gets their hands on the genius within. I love the tagline, just your natural pathway to impact fulfillment and wealth. I know for with such great certainty and confidence that our listeners, that most people are going to fully align with that concept. So thank you for taking the time, Mike. Uh, this is been a really powerful conversation, but also one that uh, I feel like was really rooted in the overall feelings that I think a lot of us share and is really relatable. And I know that in them pursuing your book and you and understanding where you're coming from and your process, they can unearth their limitless potential and, and step into a whole new stratosphere of fulfillment and purpose in that process. Mm. Well, thank you, Elizabeth. It's been an honor. And uh, and guys, if you want, uh, have the book for free on geniuswithinbook.com. Just cover the shipping and handling. Or if you want a free uh, six-step mini ebook on how to find your genius, uh, just text the word genius you, genius you, to 474747. And then my Instagram and all those socials are the Mike Zeller with no A's, just all the Mike Zeller. And then uh, uh, what else should I mention? That's pretty much it, guys. I love serving and helping others step into and claim their highest and greatest genius. Amazing. We will link to all of that in the show notes so it's easier for you guys to get your hands on. Make sure you go get that book, uh, especially since you can get it for just shipping and handling and the other awesome things that Mike mentioned too. Okay. Thanks for your time, Mike. My pleasure. I hope today's episode gave you exactly what you needed. And if it spoke to you, please leave us a review and be sure to subscribe so you don't miss out on the next juicy episode. And don't be shy. I don't bite often. So come connect with me over on Instagram at Eliz Hartke. And if there's a topic or a question, a guest you want to hear on the show or an idea you have for us, just reach out and share your thoughts. We do this for you. So the more you tell us, the more we can serve. Thank you for spending some time with me. I really do appreciate you. So tune in next time to keep building that legacy and doing the work that really matters.